If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is brought to you by Mountain Tough and Yeti. A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. It's no secret Yeti has some of the best and most durable gear out there. But when it came to hydration, they previously didn't have a great backcountry solution. Well, that all changed with their new Yonder water bottle. My Yonder covered the backcountry all across the West last season while chasing mule deer, elk, caribou, and more. It's about 50% lighter than their insulated Rambler, but still has that Yeti toughness. The best part is they've now got them in four different sizes, so you can pack the bottle perfectly fit for your hunt. To top it off, there's also great options for customization. You can check them out now at yeti.com. Welcome back to Live Wild Podcast, everyone. You know, if you happen to be in the Reno area this week and you want to stop by, I'm actually going to be exhibiting at the Wild Sheep Foundation National Convention. We call it the Sheep Show. Now, if you haven't made it to the Sheep Show, it's just a lot of fun and there's actually a lot of potential to win a sheep hunter. We're talking about tag draws today and there's just other options as well, aside from the state hunts and, and raffles like the Sheep Show offers is a really good option as well, especially for some of these things that are just dream hunts and, and hard to get into. If you've never hunted a, a sheep as well, they have the less than one club. That's where they give tags to people who have never taken a sheep. It's a lot of fun to see. You got to be present in the room. It's just, it's an awesome time. I'm actually going to be exhibiting there. So come find my booth. I've got all of our Live Wild brand gear. Actually, sharing a booth with Tim Burnett, Solo Hunter and the Solo Hunter Bow Shop. So if you're coming to the Sheep Show or you want to journey out to Reno, we'll be there this entire week. Come find me at the booth. Come say, hey, I should be there for the most part, most of the time, aside from maybe a few seminars and things that'll be popping out. But uh, yeah, it'd be awesome to say hello. And if you're interested in some of the gear that we've got on our website or whatever, see it in person there as well. So looking forward to that. You know, this week we're going to be jumping into part two of gaming the draw. Last week we covered an approach to obtaining a tag by identifying your goals and then just creating an advantage for where you stand in the game by assessing a few different strategies. One was no points and looking at obtaining tags that way. People with maybe moderate points, maybe some strategies for that. And then people with lots of points and then looking at options for each one of those categories and how to get into tags sooner and be hunting or find an out-of-state hunt every year or when you're ready to go. 
This week, we're going to be diving in a step deeper, and we're going to look at how each one of those states might play a role in this strategy map that we drew out. So some of the things that we look out for when it comes to obtaining a tag, we're going to look at where to focus and what options you have in this Western state breakdown. So let's just dive in on the state side of the application game. One of the things that we're going to do today is we're going to kind of go through some of the stuff that we talked about last week. And then I'm just going to highlight a few of the stuff that you might see from each individual state and where it's like somebody says over the counter tags. Well, where can I even find those without essentially looking at every single state and, and pulling up the regulations and, and doing all those things? It's kind of hard to, to sort through all the information. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to go through a lot of the different topics that we talked about last week. And then I'm just going to assign some of the, you know, nuanced stuff from each state and different states. And we can kind of build out that roadmap in our head of, of things to look at. You know, one of the things about the application game is a lot of it revolves around research on your part. You know, I can say these things, but I, I would almost have to have multiple podcasts for every state, very in-depth, very specific. But I think a lot of it is best just left to the individual hunter to kind of figure out and say, oh, this, you know, you're going to find in your own research, you're going to find those little niches, those little things that work for you. Maybe so it's not necessarily me guiding you to a specific state, a specific place. It's more me just giving you essentially the tools and things to look out for to assign whatever your strategy is to different places. Oh, one of the things that I want to mention too, before we get too deep into the podcast, because it is Thursday and I saw Montana Knife Company, awesome supporter of this podcast. They make some incredible products, uh, just some awesome guys over there. They've got a drop for their Speed Goat 2.0 today. So Thursday, there's a drop at, let me see what time it's at, 7 p.m., or sorry, six, 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, the Speedgoat 2.0 is just a little bit of an updated Speedgoat knife. It's got pretty much the same blade, but it's got a new finger guard on it for added safety, a little bit longer handle for better grip. And then it's got a couple other enhancements, like a little bit higher thickness in some of the high stress areas just for strength and then widen lanyard hole. So it's easier to handle and then also easier for threading a little bit of paracord on there. So just some minor tweaks with that, prove the ergonomics of it. That's one of the best-selling knives they have. A lot of people love that knife. It's very versatile because you can kind of do everything from tip to tail. You can flesh and skin and cape. You know, you can do all, you can break down, gutless method. You can gut, like you can just do everything with that knife. It's super lightweight, very versatile knife. Uh, easy to sharpen like it holds an edge really well it's a it's a great blade and those are dropping today but if you're listening to this podcast you're like ah, it's too late <laughs> they're gonna sell out fast so you want to go online if you aren't familiar with their drops this the way that they do their drops you got to be online right on time it's a lot like obtaining a tag in a lot of these states we're going to talk about and then if you're like man i want one next time Make sure that you're on, sign up for their email list, catch one on the next drop so you're informed of all their drops. And they also do some secret email drops every once in a while. So if you missed out this time, you know, be prepared for next time. Just a reminder, jump in there for those of you, a lot of you guys listen on Thursdays when these podcasts go live. So something to look forward to if you were one of the people 
hoping to snag a Montana knife. Now, last week we mentioned in that no point category, we talked about OTC tags or or tags that you can kind of pick up over the counter in some way. Now, some of those might be limited where it's like they go on sale. You got to be online at a certain time, pick them up. Maybe you got to buy them at regional office, whatever. Some of them might be unlimited. Some might essentially be sort of over the counter, but through a draw for the most part. But primarily you, you can get the tag. You know, when I really like looked at the map, I was like looking at a map and all the Western big game states, for the most part, there is some form of over-the-counter big game tag in every state, I think, except for the state of Nevada, which is pretty awesome. Like if you live out west or you maybe live in a state where you want to go and try something new, there's going to be a tag somewhere that you can obtain. You know, it might be a bear tag in, in a certain place. Like a lot, a lot of states have over-the-counter bear tags Like that don't maybe have other over-the-counter tags, Montana being one of them, Wyoming being another for the most part, most Western big game states have some form of over-the-counter tag. And, and as we talk about, like, we think about 10, 15, 20 years ago, hunting and obtaining tags was completely different. Well, the amount of knowledge out there was also different. And, you know, maybe people's desire for adventure was a little bit different. I, I don't know. But also, I think we kind of think about what was, but yet there still is a lot of great opportunity to get out and go hunting in your own home state but also maybe in a state around you know, for me i told the story of like venturing out of state was more of a necessity because where i lived nevada there were no over-the-counter tags like you couldn't hunt big game animals every year so you had to go somewhere else but there's there's other people that are just like hey i want to get out and i'm in a state that doesn't have whatever uh, you know doesn't have elk opportunity so i go somewhere else so just some of the different states have different over-the-counter tags. And I'm just going to break down a few of the states. Maybe mention some of the, the ways that they do their over-the-counter system. You know, Alaska is probably the best state for over-the-counter big game hunting. There's a ton of units. You know, for the most part, a lot of the areas are over-the-counter. You can buy a tag for certain species as a non-resident where you don't have to hunt for with a guide, like caribou, moose, black-tailed deer, elk. There are a few, you know, I guess a lot of the elk are on a draw, actually, but there are a few ways that you can pick up tags over the counter for that. What else? Uh, I think that's, oh, and, and black bear. And then mountain goat, grizzly, and doll sheep is all essentially just over the counter, but you got to do it with a guide. A lot of Alaska over the counter stuff is over the counter because like the barrier to entry is accessing the area. Very limited areas. Um, not the entire state isn't all like that. There is draw areas and other things, but man, for a good adventure and picking up a tag over the counter, Alaska is one of my favorite places. Idaho has is is very popular for over the counter tags, and they do theirs now just essentially for elk and mule deer for their general units. Um, they split it up in different. You used to be able to go anywhere in the state on a deer tag. Now it's a particular unit, and they go on sale what is it, December December 1st? I can't remember the date. Yeah, I think it's December 1st. Whatever the, the date is, they go on sale and it's like practically a draw really, but you just have to be online or be in line or whatever. And once they sell out, they sell out and they sell out fast. And that's just how they do their tags now. 
Utah does have some over-the-counter elk units. California has over-the-counter black bears and deer, some mule deer, some blacktail deer. Colorado has some over-the-counter elk tags still. Arizona actually has some over-the-counter tags. They've they've transitioned to uh, a limited numbers similar to the way that Idaho does it. You got to be online at a certain time, purchase your tag. But they also have some non-permit elk hunts that are in areas where there's low elk densities and trying to get rid of get rid of elk in certain areas or, or severely reduce the numbers in areas where there's not many and they they want them maybe out of there. And then also New Mexico has some over-the-counter black bear, owdad, some other invasive species over-the-counter tags, which can be, you know, good hunts or difficult hunts, but they are available. State of Oregon has some elk and deer, black-tailed deer over-the-counter tags. Washington, I would say probably Washington's the most wide open right now for over-the-counter. Oregon used to have some eastern Oregon over-the-counter mule deer tags, but in 2000, I think it was 2021, they got rid of those and put it on a draw. So there's still Roosevelt elk, some Rocky Mountain elk, and blacktails in Oregon. And then Washington kind of has a mixture of everything, really, for their over-the-counter tags. And Montana's got their their bear tags. I think Wyoming's the same. This is the caveat. A lot of the information that I'm talking about is is off of memory from being in these states or whatever. It's also a lot of information from 2023. So things change every year. This is a this is a podcast to get you to start doing research and think about just like looking into places if that's what you're you're looking to do in ways to kind of obtain a tag sooner. It's not like a legal. This is not the regulations. Regulations are what you go by. The like it, things change and, and that kind of stuff. So they don't be like, well, Remy said there's an over the counter bear tag. I'm just hunting bears, obviously. <laughs> Whatever you got to look it up yourself fact check these things we also talked about last week in the no point game so those over-the-counter tags are are ways where it's like i would say if you are a person that says i want to go on a hunt now finding an over-the-counter type tag is your first and best bet it's the one that's the most guaranteed now if you go hey i tried for idaho and i struck out because i wasn't there on time well now what are some other places that i can look at colorado utah Oregon, Washington, some other places where I go, okay, I can look at these places and try there and not necessarily have to play that draw game where it's like, here's a way that, okay, these tags are available. Maybe I I look at it as a multi-state approach where I can try to pull a tag and, okay, now I'm going on an elk hunt this year or or, what are places where I can go on an over-the-counter deer hunt and then focusing on those places. And that is a really good strategy. Majority of my hunting has been in over-the-counter units over the years. Now, the other option for the no points game, or if you're building out a draw strategy, is states with random draws. A couple that come to mind as like the best random draw states would be Alaska does have some draw tags there. New Mexico and Idaho. No preference points, no bonus points. Everybody's on an equal footing. Another random draw is Oregon bighorn sheep where it's like for the sheep tag and some other states do this as well. I can't remember off the top of my head all of them, but there are some where it's like there's preference points for everything and then one species might not have it. So Oregon for bighorn sheep, everybody's on the same footing. It's like I've been applying there for a very long time. 
And if you did it this year for the first time, you got the same odds as me. Terrible odds. Actually, to be honest, your your odds are probably better. I've actually won a sheep tag at the Wild Sheep Foundation convention. And my dad has won two tags over the years at, at various raffles. And I almost think that like in some instances, there's some of these raffles where like the number is limited. They sell like X amount of tags. I see uh, at different banquets and other things. Your odds of that are probably better than a lot of state draws for sheep. That's just the truth of it. But there are those options. Now, one thing that I think gets overlooked when we're talking about the tag draw game and we talked about, you know, you have to know every state's ins and outs and really like understand the system because there's a lot of people that just go like, oh, okay, that's an application and a draw and they do that main draw and they put in for a really hard to draw tag and they don't draw and they go, okay, we're done, right? That was, that was my chance. I didn't draw. That's it. I'm not hunting. And that's not the case. There are a lot of options for return tags, leftover tags, second draws. And those second draws and return tags can actually be a really good way to maybe even get into a quality hunt that was a limited draw or a limited entry tag area sooner or essentially in an over-the-counter type way. I'll kind of go through some of the states that, well, pretty much every Western big game state has some form of dealing with these tags. So the thought is like this. Let's say there's a, a draw, and some of it might be for resident tags or non-resident tags. There's a draw, and they issued 30 tags, and... 24 people applied. Well, what do they do with the rest of the remaining tags? Or there's an instance where uh, some states where somebody drew a tag and they never purchased the tag. Okay, well, but how do, would we reissue this tag? And then there's other instances where somebody drew a tag and returned a tag. Like maybe they drew another state. Maybe they couldn't hunt. Maybe they applied for a limited entry area. They're holding a general tag and they decide, I don't want to hunt the general tag. I just want to try to draw this limited entry area but I need the general tag to hunt that. So all these tags might come back or be underserved and sometimes they're underserved by residents and then offered to non-residents. So every state deals with them in different ways. Uh, I'll kind of go through the list in a semi-alphabetical fashion, I suppose, just to kind of keep it organized. You know, Arizona, after the draw, all the permits that are left for deer are available to residents and non-residents. So that means whether they, you know, resident, like a lot of these tags might be for residents. They're maybe saving their points or having other areas to hunt and they go underserved. You know, these would be available on first come first serve basis. There's not very many coos deer permits available this way anymore. There used to be some, like I've actually hunted on these left we used to be able to pick up some of these tags it's like i'm always talking about we used to do this we used to do that but uh applications for those leftover tags applications actually accepted by it's like paper mail-in they got to be accepted at a certain time on a certain date so and then those tags could be reissued to someone if there were tags and there sometimes are javelina tags and maybe turkey tags other tags that are available in draw that are available, but that's one way that they deal with those those tags. The thing about leftover or return tags, oftentimes if you have points in a certain place, picking up these leftover tags may not affect your points. Arizona is one where if you pick up a tag in, let's say, a, a return or an underserved tag, 
first come first serve, something like that. It doesn't actually affect your bonus points. So you could purchase the tag, a leftover or a non-permit tag, maybe a tag that's available and doesn't affect your points. California, they always have a lot of over-the-counter deer permits available. And then there's also ones that maybe are, are more desirable than others will sell out. And then there's some that you can maybe even purchase up until the time that you go hunting. So Colorado actually has a second draw for leftover licenses, and that's available to applicants. And preference points aren't used or earned during this draw. So if you've got points, it's everybody's on an equal footing in this second draw. So in an area that might be a preference draw, if you jump into the second draw, it becomes a no preference point draw. Now, after that second draw, and I think it's right around the same time, Colorado does offer their any over-the-counter archery, second and third rifle elk licenses. And those can be purchased like online or by phone for the most part or in person. I think that's August 1st that those go on sale generally. I mean, don't quote me, you have to look this up, but generally August 1st, those go on sale. And those don't affect your preference points in any way either. And then any tags in Colorado that are left over after the second draw, I think then become available like first come, first serve for for those wanting to purchase those. And then they also don't affect your points in any way. So if you got a bunch of points, you're like, okay, I'm building points. You're in that high point category, but you still want to hunt every year. Well, doing something like over-the-counter options or secondary draws or picking up a leftover tag is a good way to not cash in your points but still be on a hunt. Oregon, if there is any draw tags that are left over, those go on a first-come, first-served basis in the summer. Idaho is a state where there's a second draw in the limited entry tags. Those are generally ones that are unclaimed. So like somebody maybe applied for a limited entry unit and then they never like picked up the tag or purchased that extra tag, residents and non-residents alike. And then those go back into a draw, a second draw after that. Then there's also their general over-the-counter tags that are have a quota. And then hunters that did draw will turn those tags back in in exchange for a limited entry tag that maybe they applied for. And then those go on sale uh, based off of, it's like once a month, any return tags, a lot of maybe out, outfitter allocated tags that didn't sell will also be put into that actually before whatever date they choose, just got to stay posted on their website, whatever date they choose to release those. They always kind of tell you what tags are available for that. And then it's just a free for all to, to try to grab those few tags when the date arrives. So it's like the same system as picking up the tags first time, but secondary leftover tags. Montana doesn't really have a way to purchase tags right now, but what they do have is any combo tags or licenses turned back. They have kind of like this secondary drawing where you're put on a waiting list. And then as tags are returned, they're reissued. They actually reissue tags almost immediately to people that also go into the draw. So like there, you could go into the Montana general tag draw and there could be somebody that also applied for a limited entry elk permit. They drew the general tag. They didn't draw their limited entry elk permit and they chose to refund their tag. And then that could go to somebody that, that wanted a general tag, but was like kind of the next in line to draw. So there's an immediate reissuance of those tags 
for the people in the drawing and then any tags after that immediate reissuance that get returned for maybe somebody returning the tag for whatever reason, illness or whatever goes back to the waiting list, which is kind of another draw a little bit later on. The state of Nevada has a second draw system. So most of those tags that go in the second draw are actually, well, they'd be mule deer tags, archery mule deer tags, generally what pops up. And they're mostly resident tags that then are available to kind of anyone. You will lose your points if you draw these, but it's another chance into the, into the pool. And then first come first serve tags are also available after that up until I think the day before your tag starts in the state of Nevada, you can return your tag. And then those tags pop up online if they're within two weeks of that date, first come first serve and people that are online, first person to see it pop up can get it. New Mexico also has a first come first serve process for leftover licenses. Uh, there's a date for that. And then once that goes on, tags are open for sale. And then Wyoming also has a second draw. So there's if there's leftover tags, they're available in a second draw. And then after that, they're made, I think that they're made available on first come first serve. The one thing I do know about Wyoming, preference points aren't used in that second draw. So if you did draw a second draw, it's like drawing your second choice and you could essentially be on a hunt for whatever you're going after and still build preference points for that. Yeah, if I remember right, Wyoming is, they do have a second draw and then anything after the second draw is available first come first serve. When you're looking at states that like have a second draw or tags available, there's generally often like a, a kind of a, I'm doing air quotes here, a stipulation with them, right? So there might be like an area, Wyoming's a prime example where an area might be a non-resident tag available, but it's very high like percentage of the unit is wilderness or maybe 100% of the unit's wilderness. And in Wyoming, you have to have a guide or outfitter with you in wilderness or a, a resident kind of like hunter host type thing. So those tags might be available or an area where there's a lot of private land, very little public land. And so those tags might be underserved in a particular area. And, but that's not always the case. There's also cow tags that pop up that maybe people didn't want to snag up in the main draw, or there could be other tags that just kind of slip through the cracks. You never know what you might find in some of those second draws. But for the most part, a lot of these second draws in, in a lot of places are, are often tags that just, aren't as desirable as other tags in the state. However, there might be some benefits to picking those up where, hey, I can go on a hunt, kind of game the draw a little bit, and I can still build points in a lot of these states where, oh, I picked it up in a second draw, but I still am getting out and going hunting, and then I can you know work toward a different unit in the future. Maybe it puts you in that state, and you could go even go check out that other area and scout it out and learn an area like, so you tagged out early or you had a couple extra days ago, like, man, I think in two years I could have a tag in this portion of the unit. Maybe I should go drive some roads and learn that if I'm actually considering hunting in that area. Even just a little bit of boots on the ground helps a lot when it comes to thinking about applying. I mean, you could even, you know, preview the area and say, oh, yeah, this looks really good while you're already there hunting something else on a different tag. Last week, one of the things we talked about as well was kind of those line skippers, the the point multipliers, the odd increasers. The, this could be anything like applying with an outfitter, hunting with a guide, landowner tags, other things like that. Montana currently has uh, essentially you get an extra preference point if you apply 
with a guide, which can help in in some ways. There's it just kind of it's kind of a weird draw system in Montana for the general tags where if you have one preference point, your odds are zero. But if you have no decided to apply for no preference points, your odds are better than like they're probably the best odds is with no preference points. But then if you have two preference points, you have pretty good odds. And if you have three preference points, you're guaranteed. So it, it is kind of a gamble, but that is an option. Idaho has outfitter allocated tags. So people that book with an outfitter can obtain tags in a lot of the over-the-counter units. And then when those, if those don't get sold, then they go back into the pool and people have a chance to pick those up in the second draw. Oregon, I think, also has some outfitter tags. New Mexico has an outfitter draw where the odds are much, much better than the regular draw. Wyoming has wilderness hunts, which the tags in those areas are often undersold or left over, but you have to require a guide or a resident to hunt with you. That's just for big game. You can you can go in the wilderness. You can fish in it. You can, I think you can shoot birds in it. Don't quote me on that. But you can't hunt elk. Too dangerous. <laughs> No, I think it's a, it's just a system that they've got and they have, and that's how it is. And Nevada also has a outfitter deer tag draw couple. It's a, it's a small number of deer tags available for those that hunt with an outfitter, but you know, those are other things to look at. There's also landowner tags in states of Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, and Oregon, I believe. One of the topics that we talked about a lot last week was combining on an application. Now, States like Nevada for their deer tags and maybe some antlerless tags, if whatever you can apply for a party as as you apply as a party, you're one application, but it rounds your points up. Other states that have preferences like California, let's see, California, Wyoming, they kind of actually just you get the exact average of the points. So you go in as a party, let's say there's you've got five points between the two of you. Then you go into it as a party, then you have two and a half points each or your party application with two people that combines, let's say one person has three points, one person has two points. You then go into the application with two and a half points. And so on preference, that half or fraction of a point might give you an advantage over somebody with less, like a whole number point. So that would be like California, Wyoming, Arizona, anywhere where if there were an, an ability to apply as a party, you could get a fraction of a point that way. So that's just something to think about. But some places actually have a little bit of an advantage by maybe it rounding up as opposed to keeping a fraction of a point. Mostly bonus points get rounded up. Preference points stay fractional points. Just a kind of overarching assumption. One to look out for as far as applying as a party with points is the state of Colorado because what they do there is the lowest number of points is the points for the group. So if you're in applying, if you've got 10 points, your friend has one point and another person has seven points, everybody in that party, party of three, goes in with one point because the lowest number of points was one. So in that way, it kind of deters people from applying as a party with people that don't have the same amount of points. We also touched on last week, States that might have preference points draws where the highest number of points is the ones that are awarded tags, which is great if you have a lot of points. Well, what if you don't? Well, a lot of those states actually have a preference draw and then a certain portion of the tags go into a random draw. So Oregon, for instance, I think it's 75% 
our preference, but then 25% of the allocated tags will be in that random draw. So if you're a person that maybe doesn't have tags or I don't have enough points, but hey, I'm going to build, I'm still trying to build points. Well, I can apply for places that maybe have the higher number of random tags available. And so one of the ways that I utilize this is I look for states that have a higher percentage of like maybe non-resident tags available. So it might be a place that's in some states also they'll go like if they only have one tag, then it goes in a random draw. So you could like Utah does that where if they've got one tag in a unit and let's say you don't have a lot of points, apply for the units that have one tag because you'll actually have the same odds as everybody else applying for that. Uh, states that do this, Wyoming, California, Montana does this on their general tags where, you know, the people with no points actually go in kind of a random draw and a certain portion of the tags are set aside for that. Colorado does it, Utah and Oregon. So just something to think about, like, hey, I don't have points in these states. Is it possible for me to draw a tag? Yes, it is. Now, what am I going to look for when I do my research? Oh, I'm going to look for preference point draw and then what units have random tag draws. And I'm going to kind of focus on looking at those random tags. Another thing to keep your eye out for is maybe those states like we mentioned before in this, I talked about it in the second draws, but places where you don't lose your points if you draw something that's not your first choice. So Oregon, California, Colorado, Wyoming, you can put a second choice. Now, everybody's first choice is looked at before anyone's second choice. So it has to be an underserved tag. But if you drew an underserved tag as your second choice, then you've got a tag in your pocket and you're still building points or future preference points for those higher desired hunts. And so by kind of looking at all those things, we're able to really build out a game plan. We're able to look at like, okay, what states do what? Where can I apply and, and how can I best utilize my opportunity and option for gaining a tag? I think that the best ways to do that are by really you know, diving into each one of these states and saying like, okay, here's where I'm going to apply. Here's where I have some good opportunity, you know, looking at draws, looking at other statistics and saying, okay, I can build out a plan and I can do some of these little things to help build points and still go on hunts. I can look for those over-the-counter tags. I can really think about my hunt plan, what I want to do and, and the types of hunts I want to go on in the future. And then I can find places to start building points. I can find places to apply now. And I can find places where, oh man, I can pick up a tag in these things that maybe other people aren't looking at. And by doing all those things, I think that you're well on your way to playing the tag draw game and securing a tag for the season. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. You know, this is a topic that really gets asked quite often and I try to this time of year really you know dive into it a bit and, and also change it from maybe looking at it different ways especially with new and different information I think one of the things that I like to stress is people being able to you know understand the basic because it's very confusing right I want to give you the basics and the foundation work and also kind of that different way of looking at it. Like, oh, okay, this is the way that I build a strategy to obtain tags. Then it's up to you to go in and say like, where within this strategy can I obtain a tag? And like I've said in the past, you know, I, I use the Go Hunt Insider a lot for that. I know um, I probably, this time of year, I talk about it a lot because it's it's what I use. 
they're an awesome supporter of this podcast, but it's also like, in my opinion, the best tool for realistic jobs and, and really diving into the application and application strategy. And they cover a lot of the stuff without pointing you to a specific unit. It allows you to kind of figure out things in a way of matching things based off of not what someone tells you, but what your goals and your plan are. And, and you can use that filtering 2.0 to kind of adjust things in different ways and, and in different categories to start to say like, okay, well, like what am I going to do in, in this state, in this state? Uh, there's a state, couple states this year that I'm just deciding like I got to cash my points in. I'm like, I've got, I'm, I've got hoarding points in certain places and I'm looking at all these like, one and two point draw odds and I've got 10 points and I'm like, man, I could go in some particular states every year, every couple years and have a pretty decent hunt. But I'm, I'm like saving up my points because I've been trying to hunt a certain unit and I'm like, and I'm like treating these points like they're too valuable to cash in. I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, I'm like, okay, man, if I just burn some points in some places, then I can kind of get on this, this train of hunting more often and not, where it's like, you know, now I'm not drawing second choice tags and preference point states. Like some of those are getting more difficult in the areas that I want to hunt. And I still want to hunt those areas that I, that I used to hunt. So it's like, man, time to burn some points. If you're holding on to points, it's, it's, it's a good strategy as well. Like, okay, now I can, I can play the game and, and obtain, that gives me, opens up another place where I can get tags easier. I don't know. It was like a little rabbit trail of thinking about what I'm, I'm going to be doing. <laughs> Oh, this is uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention. Uh, I'm going to be Wild Sheep Show. Obviously, I mentioned that earlier this week, but I will also be exhibiting at the Hunt Expo. We're going to have our, I'm going to have my Live Wild booth there. Uh, we've got some awesome new stuff that we're going to be dropping at that show. If you guys are going to the Hunt Expo, I'm also doing a couple seminars there. Check the schedule for that. If you want to do a Q&A with me, I'll be at the booth when I'm not at that Q&A. So, I'm really looking forward to that. That's an awesome show. It's in Salt Lake City, February. It's around February 15th, I think it is. I'm not sure the exact start date, but that's the, the week of February 15th. I should look it up real quick. Yeah, February 15th to the 18th, it looks like, in Salt Lake City. Another thing about that show is there is the Hunt Expo tags where you can apply for these certain limited entry tags, and it's only for people that show up at the Hunt Expo. I know a lot of people that have won them. I've actually obtained, I, I actually drew a Hunt Expo tag myself. It's a sad, long story, but I, I didn't uh, I didn't actually get the tag. I, I gave the tag, somebody else got the tag because I didn't collect the tag. <laughs> uh, it was for an antelope hunt. And, and on one hand, I, I, it was dates that I couldn't go. On another hand, I kind of messed up and didn't actually purchase it at the right time, but I'm, I'm glad somebody else was able to obtain the tag. Like, if you don't buy it by a certain date, they go to the next person on the list. So somebody else actually won that hunt, but my name, I won first, I guess, and then didn't pick up the tag. I don't know. That's a long story, man. I'm going on these rabbit trails today. Anyways, I will be at the Hunt Expo and uh, it would be awesome to meet you guys in person. Uh, we've got a lot of our stuff there. So we're going to have a booth. It should be fairly easy to find. Uh, if you're walking the show floor, we got a live wild booth set up. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. That's a that's a fun show. It's if you haven't done a this hunting sport and show like that before, it's a real good one to get into and check out. It's it's a lot of fun. So hopefully see you guys there. Just that's giving you enough ample notice to make arrangements. <laughs> be be awesome to see you guys there. Meet you guys there. 
until next week, I'm just going to say, keep applying, keep trying. <laughs> We're going to get this figured out. Catch you guys later.